This is episode 30, by the way. We, we've made it to 30. It's a big number, I feel like. I didn't think we'd make it this far, Josh. For us, it's pretty good, I guess. Um, yeah, so we're, we're um, taking a break from our normally scheduled content to talk about Satanism. And uh, that's something that Josh and I have been wanting to do for a while, but we wanted to find a guest that might have more information and understanding than we do on it. And so um, Josh did some searching and found Father Justinian. And so, um, Father, why don't you just introduce yourself to the audience and, and tell us, you know, what you do and then we can get into the topic. Yeah, so uh, my name is Father Justinian Burnett. I'm a priest at uh, St. John Cassian Orthodox Chapel in Bessemer, Alabama. Uh, we're a representation parish of the Monastery of the Glorious Ascension over in Rosaka, Georgia. Um, and I've been to, been a priest now for three years and been running this mission for eight. So um, yeah, we're uh, you know I've got a I got a lot of young convert men, uh, a lot of people who uh, you know previously were involved in occultism. I myself used to be. Uh, so it's been it's been good for me to be able to have that to draw on to sort of talk to some of these kids about this stuff. Wow. Uh, so awesome. you, you actually have like a, a significant number of people in your congregation that that have been through uh, this. It's well, you know, this is something that uh, really, guys, I mean, like one of the things that's like you can look at uh, historically when uh, societies are like going through a decline, there's always a, a, a uh, an uptick in, in occult activity and magic usage, witchcraft, all those things. I mean, like you can go back to the end of the Roman empire and see that like, you know, in the, um, the years leading up to like the, the fall of the Roman empire there, or in, well, and it's conversion to Christianity, but, uh, the, you know, in those like last years of paganism, there was like this huge, like uptick in, in, in sorcery, necromancy. There's a lot of like, uh, of ancient grimoires that come out of that time period. Um, one of my, one of my favorite saints, uh, is uh, St. Cyprian, the former sorcerer. Um, who literally was like an occultist and like the premier occultist of the ancient world, you know, in the, he, you know, he's a relatively early, um, I think second, second or third century saint, but, uh, he, he actually, um, was, was friends with the devil and, uh, you know, worked magic spells and stuff. I mean, he, his parents gave him over to like pagan uh, priests when he was a child to learn, uh, you know, how to summon demons, how to talk to them, how to make them do things. And um, when he became a Christian, he literally spent like his vast fortune that he had uh, accumulated through like selling his occult services to people, um, buying back all of his books and destroying them. Wow. <laughs> so, I, you know, sometimes feel like, yeah, yeah, it's not there. There's an example here. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, yeah, really. <clears throat> Makes so me think what... of Ephesians, the Ephesian people. It, do you think that, uh, I mean, we, we're kind of talking about Satanism specifically today, but, you know, you mentioned that when when times get tough, people start searching for something to kind of give answers or give comfort or whatever. So is is um, is Satanism specifically uh, like one that people are particularly drawn to or is it just kind of in general? Because uh, I know there's a lot of new age and things out there, too. That Yeah, I think we have to be we have to be basically uh, aware that like all of these things are satanic. Um, and that, you know, that's whether that's like your uh, your your coffee barista who's like wearing the the, the neo-pagan Wiccan amulet and and talking about yeah. like her Wiccan rituals 
uh, and all the way up to like somebody who's like deep into like, you know, uh, Aleister Crowley, Thelema, uh, and somebody who's like a theistic Satanist. I mean, like all of this stuff is a delusion of Satan and all of it is stuff that he's using. Um, and it doesn't really matter like what skin you put on it, whether that's like Norse neo-paganism or, or, uh, you know, which I, I know some people in that, in that world too, still, um, yeah, that's it's it doesn't really matter. You got to remember that um, we're talking about like you know the, Satan is the father of lies and deception, and he really doesn't care like what you believe in or what you call it or what you you know as long as you don't yeah. believe in God or as long right. as you hate God. True. Yeah. So, maybe but I guess you could... guys were wanting to talk specifically kind of about like theistic Satanism, like people who right. like worship yeah. Satan as a deity. Right, because right. well, that's kind of the question. Go ahead, John. Right. Sorry. Well, yeah, I was thinking like you know the Church of Satan. You always see them like on new on the news or like talk shows or whatever. Like we don't really believe in the devil. We're just you know we're atheists and we use them as a symbol and it's theatrics. And I don't buy it for one minute. I mean, they can say that all they want, but I think it's a front. I mean, I think some of them might believe that they might not believe in a devil, but uh, kind of like what you were saying, whatever. That's the that's oftentimes the hook is that you mm. you want to get people um like very few people like get to like go straight from like you know i was raised in a vaguely christian milieu to straight up i worship satan like every almost everybody myself included passes through that like well i'm just an edgy atheist phase yeah um mm. but the other thing is that you got to remember about the reason why people get involved in magic and witchcraft and the occult and satanism is because they feel powerless in their own lives mm. and they feel like the the world is like spinning out of control around them they have no control over anything and so they latch onto something that makes them feel powerful. And they're, you know, uh, my spiritual father, uh, Archimandrite Maximus, uh, he's he's the uh, the Archimandrite, the, the the abbot of the monastery of uh, Saint Dionysius up in Long Island, New York. And he told me one time, he's Justinian, the church doesn't forbid magic because it doesn't work. It forbids magic because it does work. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, like you like you realize that that like you know, you look back through uh, like the history of like early modern occultism, right? So. You see, like in the Renaissance, there's like this huge, uh, you know, upsurge in occult knowledge. Most of the the, the sort of uh, demonology and grimoires, and magical grimoires, stuff like that, that like, still exists, come out of that time period. At least the oldest ones do. Mm -hmm. um, and that continues all the way through like early modernity. But like the dirty secret that nobody wants to talk about is that the the very people that we hold up as like you know early scientists. Um, up, up to and including people like Isaac Newton were actually involved in the occult. Mm -hmm. Like Isaac Newton has as much stuff written about alchemy as he did about physics. Mm. Um, so there's, there's like the, the reason that people get involved in this is because it does work. And it's like you, you, it, it's in some ways a scientific worldview. You, you do ritual A and you get B, you know, mm. at least, yeah. at least for a time. I mean, that's, again, the hook, you know, these these things, you you think that you have control over it because you do this and you get that. But the reality is, is that you're you're being manipulated and played with. Right, and right. Uh, eventually you, you get, you know, too deep into the rabbit hole and you you end up doing terrible things. Um, I was uh, an acquaintance, uh, the late Tracy Twyman. Uh, she was the editor long long time ago uh, of uh, an e-zine called Dagobert's Revenge um, but she also got like much deeper into occultism and we sort of had a similar trajectory for a while and then I you know veered off uh, another direction 
but uh, she passed away about five years ago. And that's actually one of the reasons why I decided to do this interview is because uh, I was thinking about Tracy uh, a lot actually lately. And uh, I had listened to one of her last interviews on a podcast that she had done. Um, and uh, she sounded so desperate and so horrified. And she actually said on there, you know, I feel like I've made a terrible mistake, but I'm in too deep to get out. Wow. You know, and that's uh, one of the reasons why I agreed to do this uh, was that, you know, my the thing I tell people, it's never too late to get out. You can always yeah. get out. Amen. Um, the the reality is, is that, uh, you know, demons are powerful. Satan is powerful. He has he, he, he he's real and the demons are real and they have like real authority in this world. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, Jesus Christ is more powerful. And that's the, you know, the uh, demons are are terrified by the sign of the cross. Like they, they literally will flee. I mean, and you think about like, you know, in, in our tradition, you know, that's, it's not, uh, you know, this seems like a silly thing, you know, but actually like demons can't even stand like that. So they, they actually are powerless in the face of, of Jesus Christ. And even the, the image of his cross is enough to terrify them to, to leave you alone. Um, so, and I, you know, I've had some experiences on both sides of this that uh, are, are pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. How did you, how did you get into this and what has been your experience uh, with it? The, well, as uh, many terrible things happen to kids who grew up on the internet, and, uh, you know, it was in that first generation of people who had access to, you know, to dial up modems and the internet actually sort of before the internet, even in like uh, dial up BBS services. And uh, one of those that I was hugely active in as like an 11 and 12 year old, I mean, that's like how terrifying it is, um, was uh, people who it was like a vast repository of occult books, uh, grimoires, uh, the, the, uh, the manual for uh, the Golden Dawn, Israel Regardi's like a big compilation of the Golden Dawn ritual books, mm. um, Alistair Crowley's Dilemma, uh, all of his like his uh, his book. Um, uh, oh gosh, Moonchild, you know. Oh yeah. Um, was one of, I was reading that at like twelve, which is like stuff should not happen. Um, so yeah, like that. Uh, you you start reading this stuff, and you start realizing that like, oh, this stuff. It, it's not just that it sounds cool; it's that it's like provable. You can you can like do stuff, and things happen. And it's, it, you know, just curiosity. It starts off sort of as curiosity. And um, then you just go sort of like get deeper and deeper into it. And the more you, you put into it, the, the more uh, the more weird stuff you go seeking out. Mm. So, I mean, like um, I, I, I had read like by the time I was out of high school, I, I was like you know, sort of deeply reading stuff like uh, uh, Iamblichus is on the Chaldean and Egyptian mysteries. Um, huge fan of uh of the late john anthony west and his uh sort of gone on a deep dive i even tried to learn like some uh some french to be able to read uh his his, his like inspiration is a guy named uh schwaller de lubix this uh math french mathematician and occultist uh who wrote all kinds of stuff about you know the egyptian mystery religion and trying to recover that uh through his studies at temple at luxor and at karnak um, so I was, I was pretty deep into that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, Hermeticism, uh, the golden tablet or the emerald tablets rather of Hermes Trismegistus. I mean, this was like all stuff that was on my library shelf. Um, the Virgin of the World, all, all, all that like really like uh, ancient, like esoteric uh, Western mm. occultism. Um, I was a huge fan of Charles Williams, one of the Inklings. Um, and I know a lot of people, you know, uh, talk about 
Lewis and Tolkien, but uh, you know uh, Charles Williams was like a you know the other wheel of that tricycle, and he was deeply involved in all that stuff. I mean, uh, I've got like one of his books here. I, I actually probably should have gotten it off the shelf to uh, to show you the actual passage, but he has a, has a talking point in a, a book of his called "The Image of the City and Other Essays," where he talks about like he 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 couldn't even sit down to like write unless he had performed uh, a, a rite known as the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram in a room. Um, and for somebody who's an ostensibly Christian author, this is kind of, you know, odd stuff to, to be seeing. It turns out that like Tolkien detested him because he was like this weird occultist. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting to see like they're like their dynamic, you know, but these were both people who were like, you know, friends of Lewis, C.S. Lewis's and like huge, huge sort of influences on him in different, in different ways. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I was like hugely into his work um, because he he seemed to be somebody who had like this, like uh, this, like deeper knowledge. And you, among occultists, too, you'll find that like you uh, it, the scary thing is you actually will find occultists who will graft themselves into certain Christian traditions um, because they they can. It, it's a very Gnostic view. They see like the uh, the outer like public doctrines of Christianity are for for the masses and then. Like these more esoteric doctrines are like really for those of us who are like you know more intellectual and more uh, more spiritually enlightened can can practice these things. Um, you see that a lot uh, with um, specifically a lot of nineteenth century occultism stuff. Uh, the Golden Dawn people, a lot of those people were like that. They were like deeply in the Church of England. Most of these people were. I mean, that's uh, Charles Williams was a lifelong member of the Church of England, um, but they they nevertheless were like involved in this stuff and saw it as um, as really like a, a sort of deeper, more esoteric knowledge that, uh, you know, gave them like a, a better understanding, I guess, of like the spiritual world. Mm. But my experience of it was that, uh, no, I got, I got really deep into like the, the sort of ancient mystery religion stuff. Um, I still keep my ear out, you know, for that stuff in that world. Like a lot of these people um, still sort of around and talking about stuff. And a lot of the stuff that I was into is now like, you know, commonplace. Um, you were talking about earlier about the, um, like Satanists, like wanting like chaplaincy rights and stuff. Um, I, mean, it was that, um, that statue of Baphomet that, that yeah. was like on that. Oh, I can't remember what state it was in, but it was like in a, on the Capitol grounds. Um, Iowa. It was in Iowa. Yeah. That's one of the Iowa articles of that places. I have pulled up here. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. but yeah, the uh, Iowa of all places, like middle America, you know, there's like, it's like corn country. What's what somebody that put up a statue of Baphomet there. Right. Yeah. But uh, the reality is, is that, you know, I was just a country kid growing up on a farm in rural Alabama. And, you know, it's it was it wasn't exactly difficult to get to this stuff. I mean, uh, you know, the Internet was in its infancy. But like, you know, in the old days, the Internet had like lots of stuff on it. Um, I used to I mean, I used to scour Project Gutenberg for, like you know, medieval grimoires. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Because all that stuff was available. Uh, Google Books, the Google Books mm. repository has tons of this stuff, mm. you know, and we you, it's it's actually out there and available. And if you know, people don't realize that their kids have access to like all this stuff. Mm. Um, I mean, rightly, people are concerned that your kids have access to pornography. But, uh, you know, your kids also have access to like some actually deep esoteric Satanist stuff. Yeah. Um, and that which is just as destructive, if not more so. Yeah. Well, I think that this is, like I said earlier, it's something that's kind of spooky and under the radar a lot of times. So people are, don't even think about it, like you're saying. Um, you know, porn and all that is very mainstream. And so 
Yeah. Well, Ryan, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I encounter people all the time. Um, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a, you know, a very, uh, you know, there's a, there's a decent sized Orthodox community here, but we're, we're definitely a minority. Um, and I come in contact with, you know, Protestants all the time who were like, well, yeah, but, but witchcraft isn't real. That's all made up. And I'm like, no, right. no, <laughs> let, let yeah. me, let me disabuse you of that. No, it's real. Right. Uh, like this, this stuff is real. And like you, people get involved in, in it, even if they start out playing with it. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, I, I myself used to, you know, you know, you dabble first and then you see that it works and you start, you just keep going. Um, but you know, how many people, I mean, like, I know I want to sell like an alarmist, but how many people like, uh, you know, play with Ouija boards and then like, you know, weird stuff happens and they just, you know, keep going down that rabbit hole. Right. I mean, like this stuff that seems innocent and like, and harmless or like, you know, silly or made up. Um, it doesn't really matter to the demons. It doesn't matter that it's silly or made up. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll, they will, they will entice you however they can. Right. Yeah. Well, it's even creeping into like, uh, and I say it's creeping out. I think it's kind of always been there. It's just, it's just starting to show itself more now, I think, um, in like the entertainment industry, uh, in fashion, mm -hmm. uh, we did a thing about Balenciaga, which is this house of fashion or whatever. And they're, it, even their clothing is, is like deeply satanic. And, um, uh, who just did the, I think it was He's Taylor Swift. They just had like a huge thing on Taylor Swift on Twitter. It was like this, that she had this live show and all these people were dressed in black robes and they had red lights and they're all in a circle. I mean, it's just very satanic looking, um, you know, very eyes wide shut, but you exactly, know, on, you know, exactly. prime time. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, no. Uh, well, this stuff is it is becoming more prevalent and it's becoming more acceptable, and that's right. that's something to really be concerned about. Um, the The reality is is that a lot of that stuff pe people don't realize like how human beings are actually like programmed to respond to imagery and symbolism. Like it's it's deeply part of our makeup, and um, this kind of stuff is not like. It's not just like dress up and pretend. It's not just you know that they're uh, they're they're actually like programming you to see certain images and to respond to them. And uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of magic is like psychic manipulation. Um, and you can you can actually manipulate people based on what they expect to see, and then what you you project to them to see. I mean, oh, this like is MK like the, Ultra. It's very MK Ultra. Yeah, yeah, no, these of course those guys in the CIA in the seventies like were, were dabbling they in all this. Perfected stuff. it. <laughs> yeah, they really did. Yeah. Um, I mean, Peter Lavenda. You know, have you ever read any of his stuff? Like, you know, mm -hmm. he's like a guy who, uh, it's an interesting guy. He was a CIA asset and also a uh, a fake Orthodox priest. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, also, the author of uh, I don't know if you've seen the uh, like the the book The Necronomicon of Simon. This uh, it's like a uh, a chaos magic text. He's, uh, he's actually the author of that. Um, we're talking about my, my, uh, my old friend, acquaintance, Tracy Twyman. She's actually able to track that down and like proved it because she's like, like got the, like, uh, found like returned, like cash check stubs from like his royalty checks from it. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow that's because crazy. he denied for years that he was the author, but like, no, wow. he turns out he totally was, <clears throat> but yeah, he has a CIA asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, are you, uh, are you familiar with the Lord of Spirits podcast? Andrew yeah. I know those guys. Father Andrew. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's a small world. We all kind of know each other. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We love, well, we, we love that show. We're, we're big fans of them. We, I stumbled across them. Josh and I kind of got into some of the stuff 
reading um, Dr. Michael Heiser's material about the unseen mm -hmm. realm and all that. And in studying uh, Nephilim and Genesis six and all that, we got to Lord of Spirits because they they addressed the, you know this kind of material, and um, they have several episodes about idolatry. And what I think is interesting that they pointed out uh, is is lines up exactly with what you're saying that um, idolatry is basically just a form of finding a way to control something. You, there's something out of your control. So if we can uh, localize a deity and, and perform a ritual, we can control the weather, or control mm -hmm. whatever this, the outcome of a battle or, yeah, and people, people in the modern day don't realize that some of the things that we see on TV or that we do just like you said, Ouija boards, or it might, no matter how innocent it is, when we try to take control for something, when we perform some some routine or some practice and we we see it as a input output, that that is that is a form of idolatry. And that's basically what you're describing as as sat what Satanism is um, and some of these occult practices. Uh, it's it's very um, uh, like you said, you can you can predict it like it, it works. And yeah, and it's I just think magic. That that's what's really shocking. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, 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 I, I think, yeah, people are, I think that this notion that like, you know, like, well, I, like witches and stuff like that, like that's not real. So it's, it's not something to worry about, like actually right. sets people up for failure because no, it actually is real. And like, when you, you like, you don't have like a robust um, understanding of it or like a theological explanation for it, then you, you, it, it makes, it, in some ways makes Christianity look stupid. Like you don't, it, it's like, oh, well, you know, well, you, if you don't have an explanation for this thing that I can clearly do, uh, then, you know, obviously you had, your belief system is ridiculous. Um, right. and for me, that's exactly where I was. I mean, it was like, like, like pretty, pretty hardcore anti-Christian for like a long time. Um, and I guess what, what sort of brought me out of that was a couple of things. Um, you know, the, the goal, the end goal of, of, of Satanism, uh, and that's, you know, whether you're, you're practicing like some, some silly new age stuff or Wicca or whatever, new neo-paganism, the goal of all of this stuff is for you to, um, like make yourself into a God, you know, you, you want, you, you try, you try to like, uh, you, it's an apotheosis, you're, you're what your, uh, your desire to become a God, which is exactly what, you know, what, it, what did Satan tempt Adam and Eve with in the garden? Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's literally that, you know, this this notion that I of my own power can, you know, absorb enough or or, or enough knowledge to to become a deity, you know. And um, so I um, at some point in my early 20s, I had to, like, recognize uh, and admit to myself that I had neither the competency nor the experience to be a god. Um, <laughs> and that, uh, you know, we could we could like easily look at like how my life was shaking out to like prove that I obviously was not divine. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was sort of provoked, propelled me on this, like, you know, source for this like quest for truth. Um, you, one of the questions you guys like, had me sort of thinking about was like, you know, how did I get into Orthodox Christianity? Well, let me tell you, I did not intend to land here. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I, uh, I got to be friends in college with my classics professor, uh, Dr. Frank S. Russell. He's a faithful Catholic and a really, really good guy. He's a really de decent family guy. I, I mean, I love him dearly. We're still friends. Um, but he like really challenged me. Like, you know, he's like, you know, you, you think that you, you, so you think Christianity's dumb, but like, what do you know about it? <laughs> you know, mm. and so it's like challenged me to read like some of these people from like, you know, the, the early first century, some of the early church fathers and stuff, you know, uh, and one of the things that like grabbed my attention was, uh, the works of, uh, Dionysius, the Areopagite, 
Uh, I know a lot of academics like refer to him as pseudo Dionysius, and there's always like theories that it's it's not really a, it's not really the disciple of Saint Paul that's mentioned in Acts 17. Um, there's been a, a recent book that came out actually that sort of debunks all of that though, and like it shows that, uh, um, yeah, no, it's it's it, it, he's pretty authentically first century, um, but like it blew my mind to find out that there were people. There were books written by people mentioned in the Bible, like just sort of in passing in the New Testament that still exist. Um, yeah. I didn't grow up in a world where that was like a thing that anybody knew about or talked about. Um, so, you know, I'm reading uh, I'm reading like the stuff by uh, Dionysius, the Areopagite, the divine names, the the celestial hierarchy, the mystical hierarchy. Um, and I was like, it was like mind blowing because I was like, oh, like this is uh, this these people, this guy actually sort of knows what's going on. And um, the other thing that got me was uh, I started like, digging through some Orthodox stuff because my uh, again, my, my 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 Catholic friend, Dr. Russell, um, would talk about like, you know, he's an academic. He studies classics. He spent lots of time in Greece. And as a Catholic, he would just wander over to Greek Orthodox churches in Greece. And like, um, he has like some Sicilian ancestry. So it's like that, that in, the, in his background, too. And um, he would, you know, basically talk like longingly about like how beautiful the Orthodox Church was and like how, you know, there, you know, all these disagreements between, you know, them and Roman Catholics. And if we were, right. he's like, you know, if, if Roman Catholics are being honest, we would say that like the, the first millennium church really probably looked more like them than it does us. And so, I mean, all that stuff got me thinking. So I started, you know, I just sort of read past them and went, you know, back another, you know, the thousand years. And, um, but I encountered very quickly um, uh, a sort of modern Orthodox elder. His name's uh, Father Sarah from Rose. Um, he, he, he gets, he gets pretty well known now, but, uh, he, there's two books by him that I read like pretty early on in, in the journey. Um, one was called Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future, which has a, uh, a very like terrifying icon of the apocalypse on the cover. And, um, the other was called the soul after death. And, uh, cause I read those books, those books like in tandem, I, I honestly can't tell you what's in one and what's in the other one. <laughs> Um, but, uh, this, like, it, it struck me that like, these people have a comprehensive knowledge of like, what's going on in the spiritual world. Mm. And that it, it like fully explains like, and, and has some context for my own like personal experiences. So, uh, it, it, you know, I just sort of kept reading and kept reading and kept digging and, um, eventually just decided, yeah, I think this is it. Like, I think this is the, where I gotta be. And, um, what was funny was. You know, my, my parents uh, were, you know, Protestants, you know, uh, through and through. Uh, they, they had done like the whole, you know, the sort of uh, evangelical uh, independent church sort of movement in the 90s. And uh, some stuff had happened and they were like really burned out. And um, I don't think my parents were going to church anywhere at the time. But I remember I like I read Orthodoxy and Religion in the Future. And it had like highlighted and marked up, you know, all, all these notes in the margins. And I mailed it to my mom. I was like, read this. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then uh, like, you know, uh, three years later, like my whole family converted to Orthodoxy. Wow. Um, I, I got I got one sibling that's not in the Orthodox Church. But uh, the rest of us, my mom, mom and dad, my, my other sibling, yeah, we all, we all ended up in the Orthodox Church. Um, and then I... Uh, you know, spent several years. I was trying to do this like academic thing for a while. And then um, I was actually writing a master's thesis on Dionysius the Areopagite. And um, was, uh, I ran into like this, this like really sort of thorny issue with my research. Couldn't, couldn't sort of make my argument work. And uh, somebody told me I should get in touch with uh, the monks at the monastery of St. Dionysius the Areopagite in Long Island, New York, that uh, the abbot there, Father Maximus, 
was like an expert on, on, on the works of Dionysius. I got talking to him. So I was explaining, you know, my, my master's thesis and my, my the sort of aim of my project and argument. He's like, yeah, yeah, I think I see the problem. It's that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, oh okay. So uh, that's how I got to know him. And uh, we this like long, fruitful relationship. He's, you know, been this, uh, this huge mentor for me. Um, ended up attached to the, with his monastery and, uh, and uh, uh, eventually being ordained a priest and serving under him at, at this chapel here in Bessemer. Um, but like that's somebody else that uh, had this like we had this like long like back and forth about like you know this this stuff because uh, you know again he, he's he's like you know clearly like you know, I told you at the beginning like you know the church doesn't forbid magic because it doesn't work it forbids it because it does right and people get seduced in it because the it does work and it doesn't require faith mm-hmm. you you know it, it requires you to like there's no faith involved in magic. You're, you're literally like doing a ritual to get like a result. Yeah. You do step one, step two, step three. It, it, it's no different than, you know, you know, reacting, you know, uh, baking soda and vinegar and making it foam, yeah. you know, it's uh, on a basic level. That's what you're doing. It requires no faith for that to happen. So, but it, it, it gives you like the illusion of like power and control and like some sort of knowledge of the spiritual world. And, um, it, uh, it, but it's, it's literally the only, the only, uh, real, um, goal for that is to just you know get you sucked in and draw you away from God and make you hate God. Right. Yeah. What are some of the rituals that you performed? How like how far did you get? What did you see and experience that like really made you go, oh wow, like this is crazy. Yeah. So um I I was I was in college, so early years of college, early twenties, late teens, early twenties. This was like around, you know, year uh, this is like two thousand two, two thousand three. And, um, you know, I, I had my own little ritual space, my apartment set up. I was, you know, this is, this is what I came in and did. Um, and, um, you know, I was deep into cardomancy, uh, using like tarot cards for, uh, for ritual purposes and not just like divination, like, you know, like reading tarot cards, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, meet someone tomorrow. There's, there's a whole like other element to cardomancy, um, of like actually like using those things as images to, pr- to project things to happen. It's like a, it's like a, a two-way mirror almost like, you know, you can you know, look in it this way and it's like, oh yeah, I, to see what's going to happen. But the other aspect of cardomancy is using, using those things as, uh, as magical egregores, those, those images that you feel as like a psychic container that you feel with energy to like project out into the world to make something happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, also, you know, I, I think I've alluded you know, to the fact that I was, you know, reading some of these like these grimoires and stuff, this, this, the golden dawn ritual, uh, book. And, uh, also like Alistair Crowley's, uh, the dilemma and, uh, was like actually like, you know, doing some, some type of minor summoning rituals. And, um, one night I had this, like, is things went bad, wrong, like bad, wrong. Um, I was in the living room of my apartment and, um, uh, had this encounter with this, you know, with, with what was a demon and, uh, it scared the absolute crap out of me. Mm. And, um, I realized that like, I have made like some serious mistakes because oh, um, one of the things, one of the things that you like, you know, you, you, you read in like occult literature is that, oh, never call up something that you can't put down. And it's like, well, that seems like a pretty decent warning, except when you realize that you, you actually can't put down anything. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, you, so this is, uh, yeah. So I, and, um, 
but from that time on, I was like, okay, I got to get out of this and I got to figure out, you know, I got to figure out something else. And so I started. So you know, did you again. see something or did you feel something or hear something? Uh, uh, it, it was an all of the above. I mean, uh, like uh, I've, I've described it before as like, you know, um, you ever watched the old, the old Disney Fantasia? Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's like the, the, the demon scene with like the demon on the mountain and all the stuff flying yep. in the air, all the ghosts yep. and stuff. It was like that. I mean, that's the, like, the nearest thing I can like describe it. Um, and like this, this feel of like, just, um crushing like soul crushing dread and fear and um uh and and really like yeah, like it's anger and hostility and malice like it was just like if there, if there was like a way to like see like a maliciousness incarnate it was like that you know mm. um and just to be to feel like this 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 horrible this horrible presence of just like oppressiveness yeah. and um so i immediately you know was like okay well i'm done with this um, and, uh, it, but it was like another year before I actually was received in the Orthodox church and was baptized. Mm. And, um, from the time that like that happened until then, um, I, I was like haunted by this thing. Um, I, I mean, I literally, you know, I was, I was reading all this, like this, like monastic material and stuff about like what, what to do with like demonic appearances. Mm. And, you know, so I was like ignoring it, you know, just ignore it. Don't give it any attention. Don't give it any power. Like just ignore it. Right. Um, you know, uh, say your prayers, do what you got to do. But like, if you, if you like pay attention to it, the more that's the more it's going to do, you know, what mm. it's going to do. So, uh, but yeah, weird stuff happened. I, um, uh, the month after I moved back to Alabama and was like going, going to the Orthodox church, I was going to get, I was going to burn like my, my card deck and all this stuff. And, um, you know, you, you practice this kind of stuff. There's like, you know, people have like, um, it's like the demonic version of a patron saint in some ways. Like there, you know, it's like a, there was like one particular like you know card in the deck, the tarot deck that like was sort of my card. You know, mm. that sort of felt represented me. You know, and um, so I actually burned like my my tarot deck, burned all that stuff, and uh, I mean I watched it like you know, you know, burn up to ashes. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next day, that card was sitting on my dresser in my bedroom. Oh wow. And nice. that happened like that three crazy. more times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like the last time I, uh, on the advice of the priest that, uh, you know, brought me to the church, I sent me home with some holy water. He's like, burn it. And then poured this all over the ashes. Like, wow. And, uh, never, never showed back up. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's, uh, Ooh, that's something. But oh, yeah, like it, it, that was like, uh, you know, it's, it was a, in some ways, a, a good lesson for me that, uh, you know, not to be not to be prideful about this. There's like you, you as a human being, you know, we have we actually have no power over, you know, over them of our own. You know, right. right. Um, you know, it, the, the Bible tells us that uh, we were made a little a little lower than the angels. And of course, the, the demons are fallen angels. So they, they, they retain yeah. all of their like the powers of properties, you know, property of their natures. Mm. They're just they're just perverted and, and, and inversed from their from, from their like natural orientation to God. Right. Um, and as a result of that, because because God actually loves and has special care for human beings who he created in his image, um, they hate us. Like, and that, that, uh, that, and like now having context for that, like that feeling of unbelievable dread and like malice. Is just that, yeah, they, they, they actually hate us. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, like that, uh, it was, it, it's, you know, serves as a good reminder sometimes to remember that like, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't do anything. 
you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Right. Right. Um, and that, and that that's, that's really the thing that I have to, to do is to, you know, I have to decrease so that he can increase so that this stuff can't affect me. Mm. Uh, how long were you, were you practicing that before you realized like, this is bad, I should get out? Uh, a solid 10 years. 10. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I think I, I was actually, I told Father Maximus one time, I was like 12 years old when I did my first like occult ritual, you know. It's gracious. Um, and, uh, you know, and by the time I uh, sort of transitioning out of this in my early 20s, but like that, that all happened when I was like 21, 2021, something like that. Well, it makes me think of the, uh, another thing in the news that's come up a few times lately is the, uh, the after school Satan clubs for schools. You know where these Satanists are coming in. They want to do Satan Club. Yeah, that's <laughs> another. That that's another one of the the news articles that actually I think I texted it to you, Josh. Yeah, but yeah. Um, at the, uh, I think this was in Iowa as well. Um, Dude, there's what's a, up with Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> something in the corn, bro. Somebody needs to go pray for those guys. But Lord have mercy. Um, there's there's something. All the only information I have is that it's called a school chaplain bill. And so they're, they're in front of a committee. There's a guy that's representing a Satanist group, I guess. <clears throat> and in this video clip, he is saying um, that they should, they should not pass this bill or, or that they should remove it. I don't know which way it's going. Um, he's saying that it's a violation of separation of church and state, but that if they choose to continue with it, that he's more than happy to engage with the, the children in schools, basically using that as a threat, like, if you allow religion in schools, I'm going to go in the schools. And, uh, and it, it really just, it kind of makes me wonder, like, so Christians obviously are evangelical or evangelistic because, um, you know, we believe Jesus died for everyone and everyone needs to be reconciled to the father and, and brought back into the family and forgiven of sin. And um, so we, we have a mission, you know, he, he, he gave us that win souls and make disciples. What are Satanists trying to accomplish uh, what, like, do they, is there some grand mission or? Well, I mean, like the, the goal is to prevent people from, from being reconciled to God. Mm. I mean, yeah. like, you know, there's a, there's an icon in the Orthodox church that, uh, you know, we use to sort of describe this. It's called the ladder of divine ascent. And you see like, there's uh you know, down it's, it's like rooted on one end on earth and the other end on heaven. And you see like Christ up here at the top of it. And you see like people trying to climb that ladder, you know, and, but what you see on the other side of it is like, there's like demons with like grappling hooks, like pulling people off of it or shooting arrows at them, trying yeah. to pull them down off of it. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's, that's what they want. They, they want us to be in hell with them um, because of course they hate us, but they also hate God right. and they hate the fact that he loves us. And so the only way to get back at him is to like, see, we can make them hate you too. Do you, do you think that the people that are involved in Satanism and, and are doing those things, are they, um, are they intentionally trying to distract or draw people away from Christianity or are they just totally blinded by delusion and manipulated? I mean, uh, Ryan, it's a bit of both. I mean, okay. you, people, there, there are always people who are, uh, you know, what did Lyndon call them? Useful idiots who sure. like yeah. follow, follow along, who, who are just, you know, like, uh, it, it's cool. It's fun. Or they just like have their own like agenda for, uh, you know, whatever it is they want to do. And they see like Christianity as being re repressive or, uh, or, or somehow oppressive to, to what, whatever it is that they, to what I want to do. Right. 
so they seek out you know occultism new age this is what they, all these things have in common like that new age occultism uh neo-paganism and outright like theistic satanism all have in common is that they exalt the self you know right uh, alistair crowley's great motto right is uh you know do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law yeah um but then there are of course like the people who are like uh deeper into it and the people who are like in charge of these groups often they they literally do want want to evangelize i mean they they, they want to um to corrupt people and uh that's both covertly and overtly i mean like what we're talking about before like the imagery in the news media and stuff like um all of that is in, is in some ways like covert like pre-programming you know getting people to see these images uh, because kids are watching this stuff too you know yeah um right seeing these images seeing this you know um and then of course like that you think about that stuff and it like creates this um this sort of pattern of recognition in the mind and then people can play on that you know mm -hmm. um in the same way that like you know uh it's sort of it's it's sort of like an inverse of like people uh you know humming you know some some hymn or something and like that sort of causes you to you know remember Christ, remember thinking about you know, religion, like the, the proper religion. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it, it works the same way. Like our consciousness, the, the demons have been like, they've been a case study in human beings for like, you know, 6,000 years now. Yep. They, they, they pretty much have a pretty good understanding of how we work and what makes us tick. So they, uh, you know, they, they do these things. I mean, the Orthodox Church has this, the, this notion of like um, what they call logismi. It's like little thoughts and that they, uh, you know, they'll project these things into your mind. You know, they'll, they, like these like intrusive thoughts that people talk about, like that's, it's like a real thing. Like demons will like, you know, throw, throw a thought out to see if you'll grab onto it and start thinking about it. Mm. And, you know, the, the real discipline of the church is, is to like, you know, be able to, to recognize those for what they are and reject them immediately. Because if you start thinking about them, well, now you're thinking about sin, mm -hmm. you know, and the more you think about it, the more you're probably going to rationalize yourself into doing do it. it. Yeah. What's the, uh, Ryan, what's the Amazon cartoon that's being, uh, advertised? Uh, Amazon has a new TV show. It's a cartoon. Ugh. Uh, what's the name of it? It's, it's called has been hotel. And the premise is the main character is the daughter of Lucifer and Lilith. And she's portrayed as this sympathetic character that's trying to liberate humanity. And, and it's basically so the Luciferian doctrine it's. Yeah, of course. You know, God is the bad guy, Satan's the good guy. Yeah, so this this I found this article about this Amazon series the same week that that other thing in Nevada was going on and that's when I told Josh like we got to do an episode we about, talk this, about this. <laughs> this is crazy. And this is actually the second ser uh Hulu had a series a while back. Uh or I'll say a while back. I think it's still on. I don't I don't remember the name of it. Oh, the girl that had got impregnated by Right. Devil, it was it? basically the same plot. It was the daughter of Satan. Um, and so so this is like this is a show you can watch and it just has a plot and she's the main character. And, you know, I, it's just and, in and your isn't, face. It, isn't it curious that it's always like these um, it, it's like this this female character who yeah. uh, is is like the liberator. Right. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, this goes back straight back to Genesis three. I mean, the what happens in the Garden of Eden is, uh, you know, that 
the, the devil induces Eve to usurp Adam's place as like the priest and king of creation. Mm. Because what does she do? Uh, you know, is that she she takes of the tree, and she she partakes of it, and then she gives it to Adam. Like this is like an inherently priestly activity. You know, right. we 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 take. You know, of course, I'm talking about you know my own experience, my own tradition here. But yeah, you know, we we take of we take of the bread and wine. We 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 offer it to God. We partake of it, and then we give it to the people. Right. You know, this is like an you know, read that, and it's like an inherently like. Uh, like automatically that's a, that's, a, that's a priestly action but it's a total inversion of the hierarchy that god sets up wow. you know she she's now like she's now over him and you know and adam's sin is that him he and his apathy just goes along with it right. you know um so why do you think that like uh sort of the 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 most ancient sort of pagan religions that we can like we know about you know it's it's always uh female, chthonic, like underworld deities. And it's always connected to serpent worship. Um, yeah, this and like, and that's like, that's like, not just in like Semitic cultures. That's like literally all over the world. Mm. Um, so uh, like, for me, like, especially like, you know, coming to grips with like, you know, like Christianity is real. Uh, seeing that like, no, this stuff like has echoes in literally like all all cultural uh, anthropology and like all cultural mythologies, like around the world. And the only real explanation for that is that it all comes from a common source. Yeah, and actually, this maybe this is a good time to kind of interject this. I wanted to ask you about um, Lilith because there's kind of this like a Venn diagram of like feminism is on this side and Satanism or occultism on this side, and she's like the hero of these modern feminists. And so, what? Where does she come into that? Is that like a? Well, there's all kinds of like Jewish folklore around like Lilith, as uh, you know. Um, I think probably most the, the most that like a lot of uh, Christians have exposure to her is like there's this like brief throwaway line in like one of the Narnia books about like you know Adam's first uh, wife or stuff, yeah. which is like literally like Jewish uh, folklore, right. uh, sort of grafted in. But um, the reality is in the occult world, like Lilith is like the female aspect of Satan. Because if you look at the Baphomet, like the image of the Baphomet, that's yeah, a that's an androgynous figure. That's a right, right. that's a, a male. It's a hermaphrodite. It's a male female figure composite. And uh, like, when, but when you're talking about like you know the this like feminized aspect of the devil, like that's that's Lilith. Um, and you know, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of like ancient Near Eastern like stuff that around like Lilith, uh, I, I, the killer of children uh she's right you know you'll see like a a lot of modern people trying to like explain that away by like well it's a way of explaining like sudden death syndrome right that she steals Um, the breath in the night and yeah yeah but uh the reality is is that most likely what was going on there is not like some like explaining away like people dying in their sleep but like this is a precursor to like uh to child sacrifice and moloch worship yeah um, because these things are, these things are always together, like always together. Like we, we focus a little bit too much on, um, I think sometimes, um, like these specific instances of like, of like Moloch or something, but we got to realize that like all this stuff was very fluid in the ancient world. Right. I mean, there's a reason why like, uh, this kind of like religious syncretism was possible in the ancient world. Um, why like Greeks going to Egypt could, could recognize in like the Egyptian gods, their own gods. Yeah. You know, you start to see like, uh, like Hermes identified with Thoth, for example. Right. Um, 
so yeah, it, th this stuff is very fluid because all these people are being influenced by one another. Um, and we have to keep in mind that like Christianity is in that same milieu too. Like we, we didn't, like, Christianity does not exist in a vacuum. Like it has, it has a heritage and it has like a, it, there's like lots of interaction with like the, the pagan world that it came out of. Right. Um, and so like a lot of times I think sometimes people are like afraid of like saying that there's, you know, any sort of Hellenistic influence in Christianity. It's like, no, like it, that's why, why would there be, why, why should we, why should we be afraid of that? Yeah. Like that, uh, these people like, uh, talking about Dionysius the Arapagite. I mean, here's a guy who like a, a very educated first century Greek, um, by his own accounts, you know, we've got some of his letters still by his own accounts. He studied like, you know, uh, what we would consider like a university level education, uh, in Alexandria, the location of the great library, you know, which was the, like the repository of all of the wisdom of the pagan world. Uh, but not just the pagan world because Ptolemy is the reason why the, the, uh, Ptolemy and his great library are the reason why that the, the Hebrew scriptures exist in Greek. Hmm. You know, the, the commissioning of the writing of the Septuagint was so that he could have a copy in Greek in his library. Right. Yeah. Um, so people were people were conversant with this stuff. People were conversant with with like Hebrew wisdom in the Greek world. And so like that, that's why you see like these like these connections that are made. Um, but then you see that like in, in the second century, you see somebody like uh, Clement of Alexandria saying that uh, this was providential because this this like prepared people to accept Christianity uh, because if Christianity was like a, you know, a, a vacuum sealed, like, you know, thing sort of walled off that just, just emerges out of second temple Judaism, then how on earth would it have appealed to like, you know, all these like vast different cultures? The answer right. is, is like by the time, by the time that Christ came in the fullness of time, you had like a, a common intellectual and linguistic culture of people who were, uh, interested in like, as the Greeks were in like, in, in wisdom and in mystery religions, you know, and, um, and those two things go together. I mean, like we, we oftentimes think of philosophy as being, um, sort of like, a an egghead intellectual pursuit of propositing like, you know, uh, intellectual stuff, because that's what like modern philosophy is, but ain't the ancient philosophic schools were like schools of behavior. They had like prescribed ways of life. They all, you know, Stoics lived a certain way, uh, Pythagoreans lived a certain way, according to a certain ethical and, and moral and religious code. So uh, in that sense, the the idea of, uh, and you see this like in, in somebody early, even earlier, like Justin Martyr, right? Who talks about like, he, he like went around to like all the schools trying to find like the best way of life and he ended up a Christian. Mm -hmm. Because the Christians had like the, like could like had a prescribed way of life and it actually like was like the best way of life. Um, so um yeah, I think sometimes like people are too afraid of this stuff uh, for the wrong reasons. I mean, if you think you wall yourself off from it, then you don't have to deal with it. But uh, you, you do have to deal with it because these people are, you know, to, to sort of tie this back to where, where we got to this conversation. Uh, these people are, are, are definitely like after your kids. Mm. You know, they, they, want, they, they want your kids exposed to this stuff and they want to ask you questions that you don't have answers to. Mm -hmm. Right. But they do have answers. So I have a theory, and Ryan and I have talked about this before. So when um, – here's what kind of where I get the idea. So Satan takes Jesus uh, and shows him, you know, in the temptation. He shows him the kingdoms of the world, and he's like, you know, if you bow down and worship me, they'll be yours. Um, and that, 
you know, that's paraphrase, but uh, it, it made me think, okay, he's got control uh, of these kingdoms somehow. And uh, I think it goes to idolatry. Do you think, um, you know, speaking about America, and I'm sure that across the world, uh, elites, people in power, in governments, do you think that there is satanic element to that? And that's why maybe they're in power and steering us in a certain direction? Well, yeah, and there's, of course, that, I mean, I, I you know, and I know that, that yeah. people are like, oh, that's a conspiracy theory, but, you know, it, I think there's truth. Well, here's the, here's the thing that people, like, don't understand, and that's that the, you know, there, there's all, there's always all these, like, all these conspiracy theories about, like, you know, like the Freemasons, and right, they go back to the Knights Templar, yeah. and that goes back to, like, you know, to this and that. Um, the reality is that the people don't realize is that there doesn't have to be some sort of, like, continuously existing like secret cult uh all you have to do to be in contact with like to, to sort of be in a, sort of a diabolic communion with like those ancient mystery religions is to just get in contact with the demons that inspired them then hmm. they're still around right you know that's the that's the organic connection it doesn't there doesn't have to be some like you don't have to like go through and prove that there's been some like vast multi-century you know, conspiracy of like a single group of people that's like moving through, you know, all these different societies. You just have to have people in, the, in each society who are like in contact with the same demons. Right. B sure. Bam, there wow. you go. There's your there's your group. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So do you think that the, it could be possible? I definitely think it's possible that some of our like, you know, elite people are magicians or warlocks or. Um, oh, absolutely. And that's how they gain uh, maybe influence and. Uh, people Absolutely. in the music industry and stuff like that. You know, you always hear about like selling your soul to the devil to be in entertainment and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of truth to that in some ways. Oh no, I 100% I agree with you. Uh, that's that's uh, that's definitely a thing. And you see that, like you know, um, there's there's always been a sense in which um, the wealthy and powerful have been involved in this kind of stuff. Um, because uh, for 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 a variety of reasons, I mean, like if we talk about the Renaissance again, you know, it was uh, it was sort of chic to you know have your your uh, your like sort of pet court uh, philosopher and your pet court magician and your pet court alchemist. Mm. Um, you know, these people we we look at these people like Paracelsus or something like that. You know, these people like existed because they were like wealthy patrons, um, and. I don't think that we're anybody's like naive enough to believe that, uh, you know, it was just like some sort of lark for like wealthy people to like throw money at somebody who was like, you know, doing like occultist stuff because it was fun. Yeah. You know, they were doing it because they were expecting to get something out of it. Right. Right. There's power <laughs> there. Know? Yeah. Right. You know, you expect to get something out of it. It's like a return on investment. Like nobody's just like giving people money because they want to like go try to turn lead into gold. Right. You know, there's something else going on there. And it's that these people expected to receive like benefits or favors or power from like, you know, this, this sort of secret master. Yeah. And where do you, where do you see how the church, because you mentioned before, you know, how some Christians are like, Oh, that's not, that stuff's not real. It's like, where did that despiritualization come from that, that Christians were like, Oh, that stuff's not real. And it's like, bro, like your Bible is full of that stuff. You know, I, I remember like, Pharaoh having his magicians like work magic right in front of, you know, Moses and 
Well, we've we Josh and I have talked about this before that I think everyone thinks that psychics and mediums and all these things are just like watching Sherlock Holmes, where he's just really <laughs> observant and really clever and sleight of hand. Now you have some of those people, but yeah. I mean, I think yeah. You know, we we've grown comfortable with the idea that like you know all this stuff is just a big con. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and that's and maybe the big con is that there are enough con artists that to make to sort of give cover to the real stuff. Yeah. Or maybe um, the you know the influence. Oh, that's the classic. Yeah. <laughs> Look yeah. over here. Uh, the the influence of like naturalistic humanism, which I think is Absolutely. coming to an end. I think that's definitely coming to an end. Oh yeah, totally, totally. I mean, like, so I, I mentioned earlier about reading uh, Father Sarah from Rose. Um, yeah. One of the things that I know is in orthodoxy and religion in the future. So he wrote that book in 1977, and one of the things that he said toward the end of that book is that we would see in the coming decades a convergence between the the realm of like the paranormal and like ufology, the UFO like oh, contact. Yeah, that's, that's big. Yeah, and like well, like in in the 70s though, like both of those things were big, but they were like they were like separate. They were like yeah. separate phenomenon, you know. Mm. Um, you had like the Warrens doing psychic investigations and stuff like the Amityville Horror House and all that stuff. Right. And then you had like, you know, the, the Hills with their like, you know, contact tea stories and like aliens and all that stuff. And, you know, um, and of course I read that in like the early 2000s. And then like come come like the the three or four years leading up to like the, the 2012 Mayan apocalypse nonsense. <laughs> like like what was on TV constantly was like Giorgio Sukalos and ancient aliens. Oh, which is yeah. literally like the, this like convergence of those exact two things. Right. Yeah. Um, and so now what I see like in that, in that world, cause I sort of, I do sort of you know, still keep my ear, my ear to the ground on some of those. What you see in that world now is like, they're talking about how like aliens aren't actually like, because the distances involved in like space travel would be so far that like they're, they, they're not physically here. They've learned to like, like astrally project themselves here. Materialize in our realm. And they're, you know, and they and so they're like, they're sharing human consciousness to like, to talk, to contact us. And I'm like, uh, so bro, you just described demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like that's, yeah, uh, right. you know, yeah. you, there's yeah. a word for that. Yeah. yeah. We, we already know about that. We already know about like extraterrestrial consciousnesses projecting themselves into our reality. Right. Yeah. You know, that's a, we, we, we have a robust understanding of that actually. Yeah, yeah um, the, that's another thing. The UFO, yeah, uh, that's interesting. The the connection between maybe the Satanism, occultism, and the UFO phenomenon. Oh, it's well, it's like all connected. Yeah, yeah, we've we've discussed that before. That there, you can show statistically, it can be measured that places that are higher in occult practice are also higher in UFO sightings, and mm. people don't catch that Liter for some reason. Literally every single time, you can like you can map where there there are like UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings. And like a plot where there are like like uh, like known like house hauntings and stuff like that, like it always goes together, always. Wow. Yep. Because it's all it's all manifestations of the same phenomenon, and people are people are interpreting it based on their uh, like their their own interpretive framework. Mm -hmm. So if you reject like a spiritual orientation to the universe, then like what's well, aliens, or it's like right. cryptid monsters, you know, it's right. it's Bigfoot or chupacabra. Um, but uh, no, it's it's just demons, right? That's the agnostic atheist version of a demon. Yeah, know? no, they. I mean, because like you know, like like Josh just said, you know, this that 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 sort of like secular humanism era is like definitely coming to an end, because well, again, it's kind of like um, 
you know, I just, you know, sometimes have described like being an atheist, like it's a nice place to visit, but you can't live there. Um, you know, you, you have, it, it's like so insufficient and even like people who like claim to be like atheists, they're, they're not atheists. They just hate God. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. there's no, you, you, you just, you know, uh, somebody asked me one time, like, well, how would I answer like the atheist who says that, uh, you know, well, there's like uh, humanity has like, you know, thousands of gods. Like, well, how do you know yours is right? I'm like, because that's the one you hate. Exactly. <laughs> you know, right. you're not spending your time out there telling me that Shiva doesn't exist. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, there's so, uh, a big target on Jesus's back specifically. Yeah, there, so, there's, right. it's, it's strange how like all of you go after like this particular religion. You know, uh, you're, I don't see anybody out there like telling me like the, not to believe in the, you know, the, the, the thousand Hindu deities. Right. Uh, yeah. no, and nobody's that goes, like, back, that goes back to like the God of this world is directing that stuff toward Christianity. Yeah. Well, if, well that's the that's the target because you, you, don't, you don't you don't fire at something that's not the target. Right. 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 You know, even if you don't hit it, you're, you're still firing in that direction. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, um, what would you recommend from an evangelistic or apologetic standpoint to people who may encounter someone who's into Satanism or, or some form of the occult or New Age or whatever? I mean, what what do you say to someone like that as a Christian? Um, what would what would what would compel somebody to come out of that? I would say that in my experience, it's uh, in some ways it's like dealing with with addicts you you can't like you can't reason and argue them out of it mm. um the thing that we have to do as christians is remember that like th this sounds like a platitude but the most powerful thing in our arsenal is prayer mm. you know one of my one of my dear friends like when i was first coming to orthodox church told me this that like you know god absolutely respects our free will he he lets us do what we want to do you know, not that it shields us from the consequences of it, but he lets us do what we want to do. And if, you know, just like just like in the gospel lesson about like, you know, going to the land of the Gadarenes, right? They ask him to leave and he left, you know, but when we pray for people, we're giving God an excuse to get involved because he also respects our free will, you know, mm -hmm. and we're asking him to get involved on this person's behalf and we and he will, yeah. you know. And so the the most important thing is to actually is to remember that like that prayer is like the most powerful weapon in our entire arsenal, uh, because that's that's literally like our connection to God. Yeah. And that we if we we somebody in our life is like being seduced by this stuff. I mean, I know myself well enough. No, but people who tried to argue with me, I would just double down. Yeah. You know, um, it's it, you, you can't argue people out of stuff like this. It's just impossible, really. I mean, um, any more than you can like argue somebody out of, you know, like heroin addiction, mm. you know, you can, you can explain to them it's bad for them, but at the end of the day, you know, it makes them feel good. They're going to go right. back to it. Right. They have to want to leave now. And now, now if it's an entirely different situation, if you have people who like, who come to you and are like, Hey, I, I I'm involved in some stuff I want to get out of, you know, how mm. help me, how do I get out of this? Um, and, and of course the resources for that, um, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, of course, the most important thing is to like get them back to praying. You know, the most important thing for them is to like to learn that they, you know, they can ask God for forgiveness and they can ask for help and it will be given to them, you know, and he will show them like how to get out of it, Yeah. you know, and and to have faith that he will put the people in their way to get them where they need to be, you know, and we have to model model that faith. Like we can't just be 
Uh, I think sometimes there's too much pl emphasis placed on apologetics. I mean, not that it doesn't have its place, but there's too much emphasis placed on like this notion that like we can just like reason with people and argue with people and we like come up with the right set of arguments. We're going to get through to them. Yeah. And it's like, no, what as Christians, like the thing that gets through to people is by living like Christians. Mm. You know, we have to we have to love people and we have to be willing to love people who are broken and who are who have done like incredibly bad things, you know, and that's the that's the real challenge for us is that, you know, um, I was actually telling somebody this just today that, you know, uh, you know, we have formal confession in our religion, in our, our, our denomination. And uh, one of the things that like I do, I never make an opportunity, like I never miss this opportunity when people come for, to me for confession and they're like, you know, bearing their soul and telling you like, you know, really bad stuff. Mm. And people are broken. People are incredibly broken. Uh, and they they want to, you know, they, they need this. Like they, they, they need like to bear their soul and like stuff off their chest yeah. and they need to hear that they're forgiven of it. But they're also terrified to do it because there's, you know, there's somebody else now that's going to hear this. Mm. And, and, and at the end of the day, everybody is terrified for anybody else to know about their sins because they're afraid that you're not going to, that they're not going to be loved after yeah. that. Right. You're going to hate me because I'm so disgusting and awful and broken. Right. Every single time somebody comes to me for confession, I, you know, at, at the end of it, I grab them and give them a hug and tell them that I love them. Yeah. Because they, that's like the, the most, literally as Christians, that's the most powerful thing that we have is like, we have to radically demonstrate the love of Christ. Right. And there's not a single person in the gospel that the Lord interacts with that he doesn't like show love to, mm. you know. Uh, even when he's rebuking the Pharisees, he's doing it out of love. Yeah. He's not trying to, he's not there to like score, score apologetic points. Mm. He's wanting them to like come to their senses and realize that they're like wrong. Yeah. Right? You know, and, but, but you see with like people that come to him that are broken, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, whether it's the woman called adultery, whether it's like the, the, the various lepers, the blind man, like all these people, like Jesus responds to with compassion and love. Yeah. You know, and we, we have to let it, we have to make sure that we respond to people that same way and that these people uh, who have gotten into like bad stuff and have done bad stuff, because a lot of these rituals involve like blood sacrifice. Right. You know, yeah. you, uh, you know, you got to remember that like the, not all this stuff is like, you know, uh, you know, uh, clean, clean and clinical. Yeah. Um, people don't, you know, it, it's hard to admit that you've done like you've done bad things. Yeah. And when we deal with people who are wanting to get out of it, they have to, they have to know that there is forgiveness and that there's love for them. And not just from uh, theoretically from God, but from like the Christians that they encounter. Yeah. Mm. It makes me think of that scripture, you know, it's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Of course. Uh, no, nobody gets, nobody gets argued into repentance. Yeah. You know, it's, what causes people to like respond with like to respond to God with repentance is to feel the opposite of like that demonic manifestation where you, we realize that there's like that, uh, that Jesus Christ like literally is in hypostatic love. Like he is love, right? Uh, he is compassion. He is goodness. And like those, the, that the experience of that, um, they may be as far away from God as possible. And you may be the only person that like is in any way mirroring that to them. Right. Which makes it all the more important to do that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not enough for us to just, you know, to, to like, you know, be able to, you know, quote books at them or even Bible verses at them. 
we have to we they have to know that like no there's a way back because you you're loved and we you know god loves you and he wants you you know he wants you for himself and 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 we want you you know yeah yeah i like that and because i i like i mean first of all i think that a lot of christians boil the great commission down the wind souls and make disciples to some kind of script like you know Mm -hmm. romans road or you know what like you you have all these little little and they're handy for remembering scriptures and remembering key points to share with people, but there's no script that's going to convince somebody to give their heart to Jesus. Nope. Uh, and I like, I like what you said that what made you think about it was him asking you, you know, you hate Christianity, but, or uh, how much do you really know about it? I think is the yeah, way you said How much it. do you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. the answer was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you was know, all the argument you needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it, the, the challenge is just like, you know, what, how much do you know? Like, what have you read? You know, what have you read about, you know, Christianity? What do you know about, like, historically about Christianity? Yeah. You know, you, you, I'm sure that you, you know, m- most people, myself, you, you had bad experiences at like a youth group or something when you were like a right. teenager. Right. Um, but like, that's, you know, the, that's an incredibly tiny, narrow slice of what Christianity actually is. And you probably need to judge it based on like the whole. Yeah, you were forced to watch uh, DC Talk and Newsboys music videos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, this is Christianity. I'm out. Yeah, that's DC Talk that's awesome, almost man. literally my my life. Oh, bro, yeah, I grew up in the same the same 80s and 90s Christianity. I really don't know how I'm a Christian still, but God God was there with me. That's, you <laughs> know, that's that's the real miracle. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That's a, that shows you how gracious God is. All the content the church was putting out in the 80s and 90s, he still well, saved so, people. So, not, sometimes, like you know, uh, put that in all the time. <laughs> God, God, you know, uh, sometimes God does, you know, what he does in spite of us. Exactly. But uh, it's it's better if we're like, you know, doing actually what Jesus says to do, which is, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. And also, you know, do what I do, hmm. you know, Um the the example of like you know the the suffering savior who's meek and lowly um and has no place to lay his head and like and, and like really radically loves and has compassion on everyone because he he sees um he sees in, in every other human being like he sees us all as his brothers yeah you know he became one of us so that he could like fully understand what it is that we're going through right. and that includes these people, you know, that includes people who are like lost in, in occultism, like people feel powerless and people feel like they they have no control in their lives. And this gives them like some semblance of control, yeah. you know, and it, it's, it's as, even as like, like something stupid as like, you know, believing in like horoscopes and like lucky numbers and stuff yeah. like that, even that, like that small element of like that superstitious stuff, like allows people to feel in control. That's why they mm-hmm. do it. You know, that's why they, they go back to it. And the reality is, is that it's very hard. The, uh, I, I'll t- I tell people this all the time, actually, that like of all of the things that Jesus says, which are really hard to put into practice, probably the most difficult is uh, Matthew 6, 24 through 34, where Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow, not about what you're going to eat, not about what you're going to wear, you know, that, uh, you know, really have, have absolutely no care for tomorrow, that yeah. the Lord will take care of you. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And all of these things that you need will be added unto you. Yeah. And like, we don't want to do that. Yeah. And I, I circling back a little bit to my, you know, I talked about Tracy Twyman, you know, she wrote this brilliant book on, um, on money as magic. And like the notion of like 
the whole reason why fiat currency systems continue to work is that people invest like this belief in these like symbolic, you know, units of currency. Right. And that uh, there's, there, there's nothing to it. It's all, it's all basically like, a, a, it's basically like an occult transaction. Yeah. You know, there's no real, there's no real, like, there's no real actual like goods being exchanged. Right. Uh, it, it's actually a, an actually pretty brilliant assessment of, uh, of, of sort of the world we live in, the, the economic world we live in. Yeah. Um, but, and, and think about how many people, you know, in your own life and, sometimes our, ourselves like how often do we like try to use like wealth to work our will in the world uh to 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 establish ourselves in like some sort of peace and security so that we don't actually need god mm. you know and that's right. why christ says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven yeah. because if you have if you have the ability to like use use money to like work your will in the world it's really not any different than the, like all that different than uh, you know, doing magical rituals to work your will in the world. Wow. Uh, you're. Uh, that's why he says, you know, that uh, the other the other god that the that the Jews love to worship besides Moloch was Mammon. Mammon. Right. Exactly. You know, it, and those two things are also always together, which gets us back to what we were talking about with like elites and wealth and power and occultism. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've thought about that several times. That <clears throat> a lot of people in the modern day just translate that as you know. Uh, uh, you can't serve money or wealth and the Lord, but the word he uses is mammon, which is a spirit. Yeah. And uh, this idea the, that the American dream, uh, you know, I have to acquire the God more. of luxury. Exactly. Right, yeah. So I have to acquire more money so I can make more of these transactions to acquire something. You know, it's a, it, it really does sound like a, you know. Well, the real terrifying thing is like how deeply this stuff has like, how deeply like this occult understanding of like God uh, and this like idolatrous understanding of God has like infected, you know, even Christianity. Oh yeah. Like people have this notion that, you know, like, well, I, I you know, I say, th I say this prayer and I'm like, God has to save me. I, yeah. I do, I, you know, I give my tithe. So God has to bless me. You know, yeah. it's this, it's this, like, it, it becomes, as you just said, transactional, which is right. the essence of like occultism. Right. It's, it's literally transactional behavior. Yeah, yeah, he becomes a divine Santa Claus instead of God. Well, e even that, he's more of a divine vending machine. You put in prayer, you get the thing. Yeah. Well, and that is that classic definition of idolatry, you know. Uh, well, Ryan, what else do we have? <laughs> yeah, have... Come, come on, I'm having a great uh, time. Yeah, free time. All right. Okay. Dungeons and Dragons, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> uh I, okay, so I, I actually do have a question because based on what we were just talking about, um, because Josh and I both come from like kind of a, a charismatic background, you know, okay. um, we, we go to like a, a non-denominational, very large church, modern, modern worship services. And, uh, you know, they believe in praying in tongues and all that stuff. So very stereotypical, uh, charismatic, uh, modern church. So we don't we don't have that background in uh, like the liturgy and the ritual and stuff that the Orthodox Church has. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective of somebody that doesn't have that in their background, I, I'm curious. You you talked about how in Satanism, you know, things are are transactional and you you follow these steps written down in this book and you get something, some result or whatever. Um and and there's we see that on the Christian side, there's also ritual that's performed as worship to Christ. 
Um, and so I, I'm kind of wondering two things, like, um, do you think that there's any, any connection, like you mentioned before that what the devil does is a, is a flip or a, a reversal of what the Lord does. Um, and again, I'm kind of asking all this out of ignorance because, because yeah, I didn't come no, from totally. a Catholic or Orthodox background. No, uh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, and, and I, uh, I often tell people, I feel like I have like a unique perspective on this, um, because I, I literally like swap teams. Right. Um, right. So, uh, oh, yeah. no, a, a, absolutely. Like, absolutely. That's the case. Um, because uh, human beings and, and whether or not, you know, and this is like, uh, this is true of like, you know, everything that human beings do like in worship now, whether or not it's like defined as like, you know, this is like the, this is the liturgy, you know? Um, I, I think you find like, if you sort of step back and look like broadly at your, you know, whatever your, your, uh, your, uh, communions, like sort of uh, worship expression is like that the, it follows a pattern, right? Like there's a pattern to that. And of course, yeah. ritual is just a pattern. Um, there's there's ritual in the in, in the uh, in the Old Testament, you know, right. uh, even even before the law, you know, there's like Noah, like the first thing after he gets out of the ark is he he, he gathers 12 stones from like, you know, oh, the I different mean, that, you know, yeah. from the different corners and builds an altar and like and sacrifices to God, you know, um, and in Thanksgiving. So like there's there's an order to worship. Right. What, no matter what that order is, like that order exists and that, that right. order to worship is literally just all ritual is. Um, and so, but for us, yeah, obviously like we have a, a, a sort of a, a, probably a more, um, a more sacramental view of this kind of stuff. But, uh, I would say that, uh, in my experience, you know, I, I can't imagine like anything greater than, than being able to serve the divine liturgy, you know, um, the, the, uh, I'll tell you this, like I, I have come to understand since being a priest for the, like, the last three years. Um, I understand revelation better now than I ever did before, because all of the stuff that it talks about in, in, uh, in, in St. John's apocalypse, um, all of that stuff is present in our services. They're all present as like ritual actions, you know, even like the, him talking about seeing like the seven spirits of God in the lampstand, like there's literally like behind my right. altar, like there is in every Orthodox church, there's like a seven branch candelabra, you know? That's like literally, you know, I'm literally staring at like these, like the, this, like flame of like seven flames, you know, around the altar where, where like, you know, Christ is. Uh, so like it, uh, it, in a real way, like drives home to me, like the reality of, of, of like what's going on and that, uh, and to see that, like sort of circling back to something I said, gosh, probably going an hour ago now that, uh, like human beings are programmed to respond to image and to symbol. Like that's how God designed right. us. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why for us, like, you know, the, the, the symbolism of, uh, of the ritual, the symbolism of, of the liturgy is so paramount because, uh, it goes beyond, you know, what, you know, what I can teach people, you know, in a sermon, um, it, it connects with people on like that sort of instinctive, like most basic level that God created human beings. Mm. So, which is why like it becomes, you know, I, I've seen like absolutely beautiful things in the church, you know, um, serving at the monastery, we, we go over, you know, a few times a year, especially on their, their, uh, their like feast day. And, um, something that like, always, like always strikes me. There's this, uh, this like, uh, 
I'm not exactly sure what exactly condition he has. Boy is like incredibly disabled. You know, he's like, uh, uh-huh. he's, he's nonverbal. He's like completely nonverbal. His parents are very faithful. They bring him to church like every single time the doors are open. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's often, you know, sort of very, um, like sort of difficult, you know. Um, but like during the, during the divine liturgy, he's like enraptured. Like he's just like taking it all in, you know. <laughs> and it's like, if there's anything that like shows you that like, that's like, there's something about like, the image and the symbol that like connects to people on like a deeper level. Yeah. I mean, like he, he, here's a kid who like literally can't, you know, can't comprehend verbs. He can't comprehend language, right? But he's totally like enraptured and like in, in, attentive to God yeah. for like this hour and a half, you know? Um, and, you That's know, awesome. uh, talking, talking to his parents, he probably can't, you know, probably doesn't like, you know, sit still for an hour and a half any other time, mm. you know? But like that, that uh, because we are designed that way and because like um, these things do communicate like something about God's grace to us, like a very like basic, like internal level, like it cuts through the need for, uh, you know, this idea that like everything has to be uh, discursive. Everything has to be like, you know, through through reason. I mean, um, even talking like going back to, you know, talking about circling back to the Inklings. Like, you know, in that uh, the second of like C.S. Lewis's space trilogy books, like there's that long like series of like dialogues between him and the unman. Dude, the unman right? was brutal. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, and he's losing the argument. Yeah. You know, and like he finally like comes to the conclusion he just has to end this, yeah. you know, and it's it's not going to be ended through like, you know, out reasoning, you know, his opponent. He literally has to go and like, sock him in the mouth and like stop him from being able to speak right and then they have like the epic climactic battle you know all the way down to the the center of the mountain or whatever but right just sort of echoey of 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 gandalf the balrog yeah yeah and but I'll, like there's this I, I love that you brought that up everybody knows narnia but nobody really knows his space trilogy that well but man oh, it's far better books. far it's better so work. good yeah uh incredibly better i would say c.s lewis's best book is that his strength it's probably absolutely his best novel yeah um and it's also the one that's the the least like his other works <laughs> very much it's but yeah no, but it's it's yeah it's wild yeah and uh but like that that that's the sort of thing that people don't realize that um i think a lot of times we put too much emphasis on like this like reasoning and apologetics when what we really have to do mm. is, is live it and present this stuff to people um not just necessarily um i mean it's easy to think about symbol as part of like ritual which it is but like we also like we have to like symbolically represent Christ. Like we have to mirror his behavior to people. We have yeah. to like mirror his life to people. Like uh, in, you know, language we would use. You have to be the primary icon that people see. Mm. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what being the image is. Huh? The we are yeah, the image like, of God. Paul calls us his ambassadors, and uh, we that's are all over we are, in the scripture. We're made in his image and likeness, and we have to we have to recover that image in ourselves. Yeah, and like that's that's the work of being a Christian is that we have to sort of we have to like purge sin out of our life so that that original image can shine back through, mm-hmm. so that people can see the image of God in our lives. And if we're not doing that, then you know again all of the you know, all the brilliant argumentation in the world is going to do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, that's one thing that I find very just uh, just beautiful and moving about the Orthodox uh, Church, because 
just over the past year or so, I've become more familiar with it. And it, we, Josh and I were introduced to it really because we found that podcast, Lord of Spirits. <laughs> nice, and, nice. uh had really, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of Christians, or I guess in our circles, it's kind of like, yeah, we know Orthodox Christianity is a thing, but, you know, nobody really knows what it is. Yeah, so, I mean, we, uh, we describe ourselves off a lot of times as like the best kept secret in America. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I I had a, had a guy come, you know, not too long ago to my parish. It was like, you know, I had no idea that like, you know, you guys like existed here. Like, yeah. I just thought that, I just thought that like, you know, you guys with like long beards and like robes were like just how like weird Catholics looked in Europe. And I'm like, yeah, that's uh, no, like we're a real thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right here in yeah. Alabama. The right here in Alabama. Is. Right. You know, I, you know, a, sort of hometown boy, like, you know, with, a, with an Orthodox mission here in his hometown, you know. Yeah. Uh, and people are like people are, like blown away that like, you know, there's some of the best in Alabama. There's just like Orthodox Church. And uh, I'm like, you know, we're everywhere, you know. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Like people need to see that representation. And now you're talking about like, again, like one of the reasons that like drew me to orthodoxy. I know it's one of the questions you guys had on the, on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, the there's like this compendium of like case studies in like all of this stuff. Like there's not a single thing in like the sort of demonic repertoire that some saint of the orthodox church hasn't like written down a, 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 about from personal experience of dealing with yeah. in the last 19 you know 20 centuries right like mm -hmm. literally like there's like volumes and volumes and volumes of like you know saints lives and their writings and like the stuff that they they struggled with and the like the you know, temptations they dealt with and different like delusions of the devil and it's like yep 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 seen that seen that dealt with that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's like not, but not only that, like, do they know that these things exist, but they like have a have a like, here's how you overcome them, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it was like this for me. It was just a huge like, uh, like there's like so they, so there's people who have like this like knowledge of this stuff, and they have like, it's like serious like uh, like practices that can help you like get deal with it. Okay, that sounds interesting. Let me read more. You know, let me go visit one of these people, one of these places. Um, nobody was more shocked than me to find out that there was like a, uh, at the time, a, an Orthodox mission in Tuscaloosa. You know, I was where yeah. I moved back to it. I moved back to Alabama after I got home from college. And I was like, you know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama has like an Orthodox church. Like what? So, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, showed up and, you know, I was going to like, you know, visit around all of the ones in like the Metro Birmingham area. And I stayed there for eight years, mm. you know? Yeah. yeah and uh, see, that's one thing that, uh, I think us as Protestants, uh, I think some of the fault of Protestants is I think after the Reformation, we swung so far the other way. Um, it, for me, it's kind of a coming back to the middle of like, you know, I was taught that ritual and tradition and all that stuff was something that we want to do away with. And it's like, man, like that's what, I don't know. That's what Christianity was like meant to do. Like we're meant to carry well, you know, on this tradition. The word tradition gets translated a bunch of different ways. Into the, it's in Greek, it's paradosis is the name is that that word. Um, and it gets translated like different ways in like English translations. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to be like there's a little translation bias in the English language Probably. because whenever yeah. it's like whenever it's referred to in like a negative sense, it gets translated as tradition. Mm. Uh, when it gets when it's in a referred to in a positive sense by Saint Paul, it's teaching. Yeah. You know, uh, which is uh, like, yeah, there's a little translator bias there, I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes. But like, you know, that word parodosis, you know, that word originally comes from uh, the Olympics. Mm. 
it's the baton race. That's the action of handing a baton to the next runner. Right. Wow. Okay, and yeah. so when Paul talks to Timothy and says, you know, I have handed on to you that which I also received. Mm. Like, that's like, that's like for us, that's like the definition of what tra the tradition is. Right. Like, we have a responsibility to hand it on. And what, what we have received, we have a responsibility to hand that on to the next generation. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and, uh, and there's something valuable about that. There's something like, you know, there's something, um, I sometimes deal with like, you know, sometimes with Protestants and I feel like, you know, talking to them and it's like, so many of them feel like they, like, they have to figure out everything on their own. Like everything is like up to them to like, you know, like work out, you know, what, what have I got to do? Like, well, I'm saved, but like, what do I do now? You know? Right. Um, right. And it's like, yeah, for them, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I didn't really have that, you know, coming, you know, I, I, I've been, I've now been Orthodox longer than I was like ever a Protestant. Um, and I've been like out of that world since I was like, you know, 11, 12. So like I have no clue, you know, sort of what's going on there or like how that works. But uh, We're you know, doing it all for right. me, yeah, you know, but like I, but I, but I find in like conversations with people that it's just like a lot of times they're like dealing with like you know, they feel like this like crushing weight of like I have to figure everything out and I have to like you know I have to read like you know all this stuff and I have to figure out what it means. And it's like yeah, there's like a there's like a dummies book for that. Like that's, you know, that's our tradition, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I, I feel very comfortable in that. Like, I don't, I don't have to figure out what, uh, you know, all this stuff meant because right. people a lot smarter and a lot holier than me have like already worked out a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, a lot of times it seems, it's, it seems like, you know, people are like, wow, you, you're like really versed in like everything. I'm like, no, I'm just like, I'm an ant standing on the shoulders of giants. Right. Who, uh, that's why I appear tall. <laughs> but uh no I, I like i got nothing really i mean like i my understanding of stuff is like that but yeah. uh you know i i have a wealth of things to draw on i have a wealth yeah. of like you know uh experience to, to draw from uh that that i trust you know because right. it, it's consonant with like my own experience um and my, my limited sort of spiritual experience in the church um but like it, it th those things are all consonant with what what that is so i have no reason not to trust it Right. And so you know, for me that uh, it's, it's in some ways a lot, it's, a, it, it takes a great weight off of people sometimes Yeah. to realize that like, you know, oh, I'm not like, I'm not stuck, like trying to figure out like how, how to get out of like this besetting sin or I'm not, mm. you know, there's, there's like a, you know, there's, there's like examples of people, you know, of holy people who have like transcended those exact things that you're dealing with right. and here's how they did it. So not only is it like hopeful to people that like, oh, I can get out of this, but like, oh, here's how they did it. And it would probably work if I did that too. Yeah. You know, but what does the scripture say? Like we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Cloud of witnesses. Yeah. You know, you know? we have a lot uh, to draw on. Yeah. And that's, you know, for us that, uh, that, that, that shows up so literally in our churches because we have the iconography and yeah. we have those, 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 those great cloud are like, like sort of in a way physically present with us. Like we right. have see a, them. A so we remember reminder. them. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a present reminder, and like that uh, that you know we're not alone, and that when we come into the when we come to the church, like you know, it's not just like us, like we're we're literally in the presence of like you know, Christ and His saints and His angels, right? You know, they're they're all there with us, you know, um, and we it's you know, that's both humbling and also incredibly like uh, hopeful and powerful. It I mean, is. you want to talk about something that actually makes people feel powerful. Uh, it is like realizing that, no, you're, you're like in the presence of, of like the actual divinity and like all of these people who, who have, who have made it. Mm -hmm.
yeah. and they're there for you and they they're waiting for you and they want to help you and they want to encourage you and they're like cheering you on like no you can do better come on get up right, and try right. again yeah you yeah. know that's how the church is supposed to be for sure yeah and that yeah. and that structure in history I, I think is definitely a uh uh a benefit that the orthodox church has over over i think protestant churches that like you said the the structure for accountability and history is not as deep and so um, well, you know, and that's, again, one of the reasons why I decided to do this today, guys, was that, uh, you know, uh, there's because like most people don't even know that we exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, we 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 do sort of have like this wealth of stuff to draw from and these resources and these like this, like this sort of vast sort of spiritual tradition of experience, of, like compiled experience that, uh, you know, people need to be made aware of because yeah. it's there, you know, it's there to draw from. It's there to like look at. Um I know I started off this conversation talking about uh, St. Cyprian, the former sorcerer. There's a book that just came out about his life um, from uh, Scriptorium Press. Uh, it's available on Amazon. It's like 12 or 13 bucks. It's fantastic. It's not, it's, it's a tiny little read, but uh, it's, it's like great. And uh, I've, I've been like recommending it to like, you know, a lot of my young guys at the parish, uh, you know, like this is, this is some solid stuff. I know you guys are like all interested in like apologetics and wanting to like argue people on the internet, but like maybe you should think about reading some of this stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. So I guess, you know, we don't want to keep you all night long, but uh, what to, to, to kind of close this out, um, we would, we really wanted to talk about this stuff because we know that people will probably listen to the episode that are in Satanism. They're in the occult. They want to maybe get out or there's somebody who has a loved one or a child that's stuck in this stuff. What, what would you say to them? How do I get out? How do I help? a loved one that's stuck in this a child or whatever it might be. Uh, what's the hope that you can give uh, to them? The answer for both of those things is prayer. Uh, I mean, like, you know, the, the person who's involved in it, like, it, you know, tonight, th- throw away your ritual implements and get on your knees and pray, yeah. you know, ask God for help, you know, uh, ask the Lord to send his angels to help you. And, and it will happen. I promise you it will happen. Yeah. Like the, we, we don't realize, I mean, like I was just saying this, like, we don't realize that like, you know, the, the scriptures tell us that there's more rejoicing in heaven over like one sinner that repents. Yeah. But like, the reality is, is that it not, it's not just that they're like enjoy, rejoicing when we do it. They're there like waiting for us to ask for help. They're there waiting for us to like, to, to try to help us and push us along that line yeah. so that we can get over, over the hump and like on the way. You know, and, and so like the minute that you, the minute that you make the intention to like get out of it and to, to think, Hey, I maybe need to do, do something else. I need to get out of this right then is the time to act. Like, don't, don't put it off till tonight. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Like strike while that iron is hot and like, and, and literally like, you know, get rid of your stuff and go ask God to forgive you and to help you and to send you where you need to be, Yeah. you know, and, and he will do that because, you know, he, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. Amen. And he absolutely will like send you where you need to be, you know? Um, and for somebody who's love, got loved ones involved in it, again, pray for that person. You know, even if they're like, even if they're like, so like mired in like whatever sins that they're in and that they, they hate themselves and they hate God and they're, they're like not listening and they don't, they're not going to listen. Uh, again, if we, if we pray and ask God to help that person, that, that gives him an excuse to get involved. You know, he's going to respect their free will not to want him, but he's going to respect your free will to ask for his help for that person. 
And the thing that like the Lord responds to the most is like our, our love for one another, you know, because that's, that is in some ways the most Christ-like thing that there is, you know, that to realize that the, the Lord, you know, St. Paul tells us this, that, you know, while we were still sinners, he showed his love for us, that he laid down his life for us, Yeah. you know, and, you know, if you don't even have to go that far. You just have to, you know, be self-sacrificial enough to sometimes like sit there and patiently take their nonsense and pray for them all the more and still love them. Because I, 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 again, like, I know it's, it seems like I've sort of said this over and over, but like this stuff, people get into this stuff because they feel powerless and unloved. Mm. And you, you got to break that cycle. And the only way to do that is to love people. Yeah. And that's another reason we, we wanted to invite uh, people of different denominations and backgrounds on. Like, I think Christ is what binds us all. We might have different views on all this stuff, but, you know, I think Jesus is the answer. That's something we agree on for sure. Uh, well, and, I, uh, I, I, I absolutely firmly and totally believe that if, you're, if your orientation is toward the truth, that, you know, Christ is truth. Amen. And so if your orientation is toward him, he will make sure that you end up where you need to be. Right. You yeah, know, it's, right. it's your, it's just your, you know, you just got to like get up and go. He'll make sure that you end up where you're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Amen. Man, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Ryan, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I have, I have a, I have a lot more questions, so maybe we can, uh, maybe we can follow up. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, whenever, whenever you guys want to go, I'm, I, this okay. has been great. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll we'll have to have you back on and then and, and uh, maybe go over some different topics too. That I love it. If our listeners say, "Hey, ma- hey, we have some questions for you," we'll 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 bring you back on and uh, yeah, that'd be and cool. Pass well, on you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Absolutely so, fine with that. Maybe you could um, be our, uh, our our sit-in uh, f- uh, father for our show. <laughs> our go our go to father Justinian. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, if if it's God's will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. For our listeners, if you enjoyed what you hear, go follow us on Instagram. Uh, let, let's see, it's what behind the curtain PC on Instagram. I don't know. We're on the and YouTube somewhere. and YouTube and uh, TikTok, which we all hate, but we have to have it. Uh, <laughs> YouTube and TikTok is uh, BTC Mysteries. So go look us up. Uh, share this with someone who you think would enjoy it. Talk to y'all next time.